Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Read a few verses of scripture there, amen, this morning. Acts 21 Starting with verse number one, the Bible says, and it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coos. I know I would say call it Coos, but correctly it's Coos. And the day following unto Rhodes and from thence unto Patera and finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unlaid her burden. Skipping down to verse 7, if you will. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day key verse for us today is verse three now when we had discovered cyprus we left it on the left and sailed into sire and landed at tyre for there the ship was to unlaid her burden i want to minister this morning this subject unloading zone unloading zone they said we got to get to tyre because that's where the ship is to unlaid its burden hallelujah Let's pray together right now. Father, I come to you. I'm asking, oh God, today for your divine help. Lord, in this service. God, in the preaching, in the ministry. Lord, of your word. God, for those who are here, God, you have a word, Lord. You have scripture. You have Bible. God, to share with them today. And I pray, Lord, touch my mind. Touch my lips, Lord. Mark any air from my mouth. God, I pray, Lord, that acceptable words could be spoken here today. God, and I'll thank you and I'll praise you, Jesus, for what you accomplish in this house. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. 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 Everybody may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah this morning. If you could put, I have one slide up there. I actually have two slides this morning, but I have one slide up there. It is a map. If you could just show it to begin with uh, today. It's not an old map. Uh, Brother Zach McGee, do you know what I'm talking about? They're in there. Just put up that first one. It is the United States. This, this little journey here, and I know you can't see that tremendously well, uh, but that, that highlighted a certain, a certain time and area of my life that I would probably deem uh, one of the most exciting and probably one of the most exhausting times of my life. And particularly along a little letter E there, which was Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The year was 2004, and it was an exhausting and exciting time. As it were, go and just walk with me here just a little bit. Uh, we had an opportunity in a particular summertime of 2004 uh, to preach, and you've heard me say this before, but just let me set a stage here, to preach uh, three camp meetings that were virtually back-to-back. Uh, one that was in Kentucky, one that was in Georgia, and one that was in Texas. With that being said, I will never forget, we went to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. We had left Paducah and went down there, got there on that Monday morning, and it would be uh, my obligation or my responsibility, privilege, might I even say, to minister in those day services at the camp meeting there. Brother Carpenter was preaching the night services. And, and as it would be, you know, camp meetings are not just like revivals. You have service during the day, service at night, and anywhere else you can slap in a service, you know, you're servicing. And so it was quite strenuous upon the body to be in service day and night and everything that was in between. And, and we left there, and I don't know, I just had a, 
Man, I, things are a whole lot different now evangelizing than what it was even then. I know some people that do a lot of weekends and so on and so forth, but uh, back in that day, man, you just it was crammed. Wherever you had a service, you fit a service. You put three or four services on Sunday if you could, you know, and I'll never forget. I thought, well, we're going through Nashville, and, we'll, well, and Brother Shoulders knew we were going that way. We'll just throw in something else. You know, three camp meetings are not enough. You need somewhere to preach if you have a day in between. And so we left Saturday from Elizabeth of town Kentucky and drove to Nashville Tennessee preached that night Saturday night at their church preached that Sunday morning preached that Sunday night and after a service that night I packed up the trailer and we left after church Sunday night I mean you know this is just great this is exciting exhilarating had to be in starting a camp meeting in Georgia Forsyth Georgia amen uh, on Monday night start preaching so we drove through the night, got a little south of Atlanta, Georgia, spent the night there or the morning there by the time we got there from traveling Sunday night, woke up the next morning, drove the rest of the way to Forsyth, Georgia, started camp meeting that night. I remember very well we got in, just threw the trailer up, and then the, the, the director over all that wanted to take us to eat. We went to eat, ate, just got back in time to change clothes. I'm telling you the literal truth. Got back in time to change clothes and walk into a sanctuary of hundreds and hundreds of young people churches from all over Georgia there and we preach Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night Thursday we got up and we left we left Forsyth Georgia and was headed now toward Texas and, and I am at this point already dead dog tired because I was preaching the night services at the Georgia camp. There's day services going on. There's youth activities. We tried to apply ourselves when we could because uh, we didn't want them, you know, you don't want people to think you just come in for your time slot and that's it. So we, we would give ourselves, men, we would interact, so on and so forth. And so we're traveling now to Texas. We were traveling now Thursday, Thursday evening. I stop in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I am dead, folks. I am dead. There's still breath coming from my lungs, but I am dead. And, and, and it's from there that I stay for a couple days, and then I'm going to go to Texas, New Summerfield, Texas, preach five-day camp meeting during the nights. Brother Nathan Cannon, who's now in the Indiana district, uh, was preaching the days. But And I could go on. We had general conference the next week in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's another week. Then we preached a revival in Joplin, Missouri. We went to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. The only vacation we ever took while we were evangelizing was after all of that for a week right there but I'll never forget Tuscaloosa Alabama there was a little state park there uh, Bishop that I, I in my estimation it is probably the best state park in the entire United States it was just outrageous I mean it had these nice uh, uh, canopied with foliage trees and stuff that covered each spot and a nice little lake there you could go paddle boating on it was quiet it was serene the uh, best place that I ever stayed in it seems to be the best place then and it seems even to be even now probably still the best state park that we had ever stayed in and I don't know if that's really true but it was to me because I needed somewhere where I could just stop and pause and unload and relieve the pressure you don't understand, but whenever, whenever you're in ministry or you're preaching in a constant series like that, you, you have a burden and the pressure that's upon you to minister the word of God. And just as soon as you get done doing it one night, the pressure of the next service, the very next night, is already coming upon you. And, and so you're constantly under a pressure and in a vice. And whenever I got to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, I, I put out the slides on that trailer, but I didn't touch one thing. I didn't put one thing in place. I, I didn't undo the straps that were inside. I didn't do any of that. I remember very distinctly just laying down on the floor in that trailer, knowing that I did not have to go to a podium to that, that night and preach. I I didn't have to travel another mile, stop at another gas station, eat another fast food, if you will, meal. I could just sit there right on that floor as long as I needed. And I remember my wife and I, the next day after a little bit of rest, we got on a paddle boat and we just paddle boated around on that lake. We, they had a little sandbar there next to the lake. We went there in our modest apparel, got out there in the water, did went to town, hobnobbed around, shot did all this place because we needed somewhere to unload. 
matter of fact, you ever been on a trip, you know, there's some stops, uh, and it's according to who you're traveling with, but there's some stops that are just frivolous. You know, you, you just do because you want to stop. No necessarily need to stop or have to stop. You just would like to stop. I'll not forget another time we were traveling from Florida up to Ohio. My wife was on one of her crazed things of something she's seen at a Bell's Outlet store, which is particular to northern Florida and southern Georgia. And she didn't buy it, and she knew she should have. And it was on our trip going up out of Florida into Georgia that she was pinpointing all the Bell's Outlets that was in a close distance to the interstate. And that was the longest trip. The longest trip that I'd ever been on in my life because we stopped at all these Bell's outlets. It's just a frivolous thing, stopping her wanting to find what it was she should have bought back at the other one. And so it took a long time. But then there's other stops that are out of necessity. You might need food. You might need a restroom. You, 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 you might need some, some just rest in general. You're just tired, wore out, and you need a rest. You need a motel. Uh, we pay particular attention, you know, whenever it says there's a rest stop and the next one's not for 125 miles. You know, you pay attention to stuff like that because this might be the only place you can just take it easy for a little bit, you know, along this road or along the journey. Sometimes you just need a place where you can unload the Bible speaks in scripture concerning the city of Tyre that the commerce of the whole world was gathered into the warehouse at Tyre it was just 20 miles south of Sidon. We hear in Scripture these two mentioned together, Tyre and Sidon, places that the Lord had visited, places that whenever he was given rebuke to Capernaum and Chorazan and Bethsaida, he said, if the mighty works that had been done among you had been done at Sidon and Tyre, they would have repented long before now. Tyre was that place of commerce and abundance. It, it was the place that King Ahiram came from that Solomon willed a deal with and he would get gold and silver from Hiram who was in Tyre. And the Bible says concerning Paul, this, this is the story of Paul that we're looking in on, this man that's traveling by ship from place to place. This is his third missionary journey, uh, so to speak. But Paul said in Acts 20 and verse 16, he says, for Paul had determined to sell by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. In other words, Paul had in his mind, he's sailing along here. And I got another slide, if you will, of that time of the Mediterranean Sea that Paul is going along here and he says, I'm going to sell on by Ephesus because I have spent three years of my life in ministry in Ephesus and I really need to get to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. So I can't really stop there. Not because I don't care for those people or not compassionate toward them, but because I am compassionate. And because I have spent three years with them, if I stop there, I know there'll be some needs there. There'll be some concerns and I feel compelled to stay. So I can't do that. I got to go on. I got to go on to Pentecost. I got to go on to Jerusalem. And so the Bible says he comes to a little area and you can't probably see it, but there's a little stood up there, number 14 called Miletus that he, he lodges at. And he calls for the elders of Ephesus to come down and meet him. And he speaks with them there and he, they know they're not going to see Paul's face anymore. He, he has a time of communion with them. He speaks to them. He even preaches to them even way into the night. And so Paul's making this journey. He's, he's in a ship. It's probably a small ship, not a large ship, because his journey is just going right along the coastline. He goes from Miletus to Coos, which was just 50 miles south of Miletus. And then from Coos, he goes, the Bible says, to Rhodes, which was about, again, just about 50 miles uh, southeast if you will, of Coos. And then he goes to Patera, amen, which is again about 50 miles east, if you will, if you follow it up there, uh, 50 miles east of Rhodes. So he's just going along the coastline, but he's, he's on a journey here. It's expedient that, that, that he would just move and move quickly and move swiftly. He must make it to Jerusalem. He must get to the day of Pentecost that is going to happen. But the Bible says evidently that at Patera, at Patera they found a ship in verse number two, that was selling unto Phoenicia. And they went aboard and they set forth upon the ship. 
So they're getting on a larger vessel here. This isn't a small ship that's gonna stay by the coastline that just goes 50 miles a day, but this is a ship that can make a grand journey for from this place of Patera unto Tyre would be about 400 miles. So we're not talking about 50 miles a day now. We're talking about going on a very, very long journey. And about two thirds of the way through their journey, they pass a little island by the name of Cyprus. And no doubt, Paul's mind goes back to the things that he had experienced there in other missionary trips. It was there that he had dealt with a sorcerer and that was trying to somehow keep a man from finding God and Paul's mind went there but the Bible says he didn't have time to stay there. He had, he had to push that aside. They left it, the Bible says, on the left side. Although there were memories there, although there may have been believers there that he could have went back and he could have uplifted and strengthened and confirmed. He left it right Right there because making it to Jerusalem and making it by Pentecost was vitally important to Paul because ever since Acts 2 Pentecost the feast of Pentecost had been labeled something more than just a feast it was now known as the place of spiritual awakening it was it was now considered the time and the place if you will of spiritual renewal Paul says I'd, I'd love to stay and dabble around but I need to get to Jerusalem I need to be at Pentecost the spirit fell then in Acts 2 and I know now it has this, this character that the spirit's gonna fall again and I'm in need of spiritual renewal. I am in need, if you will, of something to uplift my soul, uplift my spirit and help me along the way. But as Paul is journeying from this little island to island, city to city, even bypassing some of the memories that he had along the way, he would not make it to Jerusalem and he would not make it to Pentecost without first, if you will, passing by Tyre and stopping there because the Bible says before we could go any further if you will, before there's another city that we can go or reach before we can even go south 25 miles to Ptolemaeus, it was just 25 miles Listen here for a moment, folks. Do you understand whenever Paul left Patera, that 400 mile journey, that he could have sailed straight to Ptolemaeus? It'd been possible. You can see right over here, I don't have my little pointer, but Tyre's number 19, right below that is Tomaeus. That's where they ended up getting off the ship and then started traveling by land. Why in the world, Paul, didn't you just travel from Patera all the way to Tomaeus and just forget about Tyre? Why in the world do, I mean, it's just 25 miles more south. What is the deal? Because honey, that ship could not go any further. It could not launch out any deeper, even 25 miles until it reached Tyre because Tyre the Bible says would be the place where the ship unlaid her burden someone hear me today because I believe in the realm of the spirit there's people sitting under the sound of my voice that you're carrying some cargo you're carrying some loads and you've been on a long 400 mile trip and you've succumbed if you will to all the tactics of the sea and the storms that have brewed and the winds that have blown and you may think man it would just be easy just to go on to Tomaeus but honey you might not make it to Tomaeus if you don't stop by Tyre and unladen the load, the burden, the stress, the heartache, the pain that you may have been carrying around. Everybody needs a place in their life where they can unload the burden. Someone say hallelujah. Can I tell you that in this journey to Jerusalem, in this journey to Pentecost, in this journey to the spiritual renewal for Paul, it was not absent a place somewhere along the way where he could unload the burden, where he could lay some things down, where he could cast some care, if you will, on the shore. We need a spiritual awakening in our life and we need a spirit of renewal in our life, yes, but it will not come without a tire where we can unladen the burden that's upon our ship. This has been a long journey. This has been a long journey. I felt the wind. It's been contrary to me. I need a place where the ship can unlade its burden. Someone say glory. Yes, 
undoubtedly that ship could have left Patera and went to Tomaeus. It could have went there undoubtedly. Just 25 miles south, you better believe it. It could have went there undoubtedly. But the whole scenario would have been this. When it got to Tomaeus, it would have still had its burden. When it got to Tomaeus, just 25 south of Tyre, it still had its cargo. It still had its burden. It still been laden down with everything it had carried for the past 400 miles. For all the thick and the thin, the ups and the downs of the sea, it still had all of that if it traveled right there. But he says, wait a minute, the shipmaster knew honey, if we're going to have success today we're going to have to get rid of some things we're going to have to cast some things aside we're going to have to lift our shoulders and get the heaviness off our spirits I endeavor to say, ladies and gentlemen, that there's some that said under the sound of my voice that's been carrying a load upon your ship for some time, that's been carrying, if you will, some burdensome things upon your mind and your heart. You go to bed with him and you wake up with him. Every day they are constantly there of a reminder of what you're laden with, of the cargo that you're carrying on your vessel, and you're trying to reach your destination. You're trying to reach the source of hope. You're trying, if you will, to reach that Pentecost. You're trying to reach that renewal, sir or ma'am, to Today, can I tell you, cast all your cares upon the Lord. Come in and find the rest wherein the weary can rest. Unladen your ship at the harbor and go on to your destination. Don't try to reach it and still be burdened, weighed down, overwhelmed by life. There needs to be an unloading zone in your life. I'm strong, Pastor. Yeah, yeah you're strong. Yes, sir. I am too. But I guarantee you, I would not want to know the outcome of those three camp meetings had it not been for Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Because I could pause, stop, unload, take a reprieve. Whenever I showed up on Sunday at that campground and we had orientation and Monday night came, I was ready because I'd found some spiritual renewal between the last time that I ministered to the next time I was going to minister. And bar none, Bishop, that camp meeting right there was probably one of the best camp meetings that I ever was part of as far as ministering in my life. You know what I accounted to? Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The place that I went to unladen my burden. The place that I went to unload. I'm not saying you can't travel with a burden because we do it oftentimes in this place. But I believe 400 miles is enough to don't you, if there's a harbor where you can lay it down, if there's a port where you can cast it off, you need to pull in there, friend. You need to pull in there, friend. God's got a port here today. He's got a harbor here today. You need to unladen your ship. You need to cast the cargo aside. Somebody hear this preacher this morning. Someone say yes. Pentecost, yes. Tomaeus, yes, but some portions of the trip cannot be completed without a pause at Tyre where you can unlaid your burden. The Bible says that Paul spent seven days there. Bishop, this is just me. Because later we see that he boards a ship in verse number six. And it's not up there, sister. And when we had taken our leave, one another, we took ship and returned home again. And they returned home again. My reading, through even different translations, some even have it that they took the ship, indicating the ship they just came off of, that they got back on. This is just me. But I believe Paul was there for seven days. Primarily because the ship was so laden with cargo. It was going to take several days to unburden the ship. It was going to take a few moments of time to unburden the ship. 
Hear me today, folks. We sometimes have pulled our vessel into the port where it can be unladen, but we've not spent enough time there for the ship to be decompressed of all of its cargo. We've pulled in for a little while. There's been a few bucks removed and a few crates removed, but we've departed before the job was by far done. And we've continued on our journey and we're still feeling some of the weight. We still have some of the unanswered questions. We still have some of the load of the world as it would seem upon our shoulders. And it's because some of it was relieved, but not all of it was relieved. I want to tell somebody today the reason why that we had this Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night is for these ships to be able to pull into this harbor and take some time during the service. If it takes 30 minutes or if it takes an hour or two just to stay there for a while, that they can unload their burden because there's still some miles that you're going to sail there's still some journeys that you're going to go and you've not reached your Pentecost yet and so you got to take some time to unload let me tell you child of God you need not by no means uh, feel inferior or feel somewhat backed in a corner because you got to come to an altar and you're filled with God's power and you had the Holy Ghost but you got to come to an altar not for any reason not because you sinned not because you done something wrong but you got to go there because you got some things you need to unload you need to unpack because you're saying I gotta reach my spiritual renewal I gotta reach my Pentecost but God I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it with all of this baggage so I'm coming here to the altar today and I'm throwing some of the baggage down I need a place to unlay my burden There's Tyre and there's Old Tyre. They were connected by a causeway. One was mainland, one was virtually an island, but was connected by a causeway. Tyre literally meant rock. It was a stronghold. It was a fortified place. It was a strong city. My mind, very quickly, goes to a psalm of David. Psalm 61 and verse number 2, but I'd like to read verse number 1 as well. David cries out. He says, truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. (laughs) He says in verse 2, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I'm reading Psalm 62. Let's go to 61. Hear my cry, O God, and tend in my prayer. 62 was good too. Amen. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Has anybody ever been there? When my heart is overwhelmed, he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He says, I don't need something that's on the same level where I'm at. I don't need something that's on the same playing field where I'm at. I need something that's higher than me. I need something that's greater than me. I need something that's mightier than me. And God, I need you to lead me to that rock rock that fortified place that stable place that's higher than where I'm at that's higher than my surroundings that's higher than my circumstances lead me to the rock you know what's David saying he said I'm overwhelmed in my heart I need somewhere where I can unladen my burden One writer in describing such an episode, his home was in England, he said, along the coast of their northern shores of England, he said that lives had been lost because the rocks on the shore are so inaccessible to shipwrecked mariners that a clergyman one of the coast villages with a lot of labor he cut steps in the rock in the quarry from the beach to a large chamber that he had excavated in the chalk cliffs there he cut out steps in the rocks so that those shipwrecked mariners 
could be saved by being able to climb the rock. Otherwise, would not have been able to escape. Been on the beach, yes, but there would have been a rock higher than them. The tide would come in. The beating of the water against the rock would claim many of their lives. They would not escape because they needed a way that they could get to safety. Needed a way that they could escape the pressure, escape the tumult of the sea. And he said that they had heard, though, of late, that over time, the beating even of the water against those quarried out, carved out steps, they were starting to round off. Their evidence of being there as though they were never there, as though they could not be seen. And poor sellers again had perished because there was a high rock there, but they couldn't reach to its height. They were still in danger. They were still overwhelmed. No sight of refuge, not the ability to reach it. And so with that in mind, they would then drive very hard iron posts into the top of the rock. And they would let down on those iron posts chained ladders so that it didn't matter how hard the water hit against it. That metal was going to be there for a long time. And those old shipwrecked, hallelujah, sailors could climb up that linked uh, chain to the top of the rock and they could get to a place that was higher than them. Although they may have been shipwrecked, although their vessel may have been broken, although it may seem there was imminent danger and no way to escape, all they needed was a way to get to a rock that was higher than to them themselves. Can I tell this congregation today that your great God of glory has not left you upon the shore just to be washed up by the adversity you faced while you was in the ship, but he has a way to lead you to a place that's higher than yourself, that's greater than your circumstance, that's mightier than your dilemma. Just look to him, cry out to him when your heart's overwhelmed. God's got an accessible way to reach the top of the rock, a place where you can unload your birth. got to have somewhere where you can unload. you got to have somewhere where you can unladen the ship. Because that ship can carry a lot. That ship can carry a lot. But there is a fine line breaking point when it cannot take or carry anymore. Mm-hmm. You've seen these big barges particularly even along the Ohio River between Indiana and Kentucky. All that coal inside of them. At times you see more metal, at times you see less metal above that water, depending upon how laden they are with the coal. You know, they can only put so much coal on them, they just can't keep piling it on because if they do, they'll sink the vessel. Because somewhere in their trip, then they got to find a place to unload. Some of you are thinking, Brother McGee, I feel the water at the edge of my vessel right now. I feel the water at the edge of my vessel. Honey, it's not God's purpose nor intent to sink you. Amen. To cause you to lose all. Hallelujah. But what you need to do is take opportunity and keep your eyes open when a port's open where you can unload. Don't just try to carry it to prove anything and say that you're strong and that you can do it. Honey, you go on and cast some care upon the Lord. Go on and pull into the port and unload because there's going to be something else that's going to try to fill that space. There's going to be another load. There's going to be more things that's going to come on the vessel. But you've got to unload every now and then. In Isaiah 23 and verse 1. This is a prophecy over Tyre. It's called the burden of Tyre. If you read the book of Isaiah, there are many burdens. The burden of Babylon, the burden of this, the burden of that. This is the burden of Tyre. And notice, notice the language that's being spoken. It says, how, how, ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste. What is Tyre? It is laid waste. So that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim, which is Cyprus that we spoke of, the little island. It is revealed to them. The ships of Tarshish 
were ships who took their origin from Tyre. But they would always go to a city of Tarshish that was on what is known today as modern-day Spain. It was about a 2,200-mile trip. A long journey. And they would go to Tarshish. And from Tarshish, they would leave laden with the burden of cargo. And they would return. This is now another 20. This is 2,200 miles one way. And they're coming back 2,200 miles back to Tyre. They're laden with substance. They are basically as burdened down as a, because you don't want to make a lot of trips 2,200 miles or 4,400 mile round trip without taking advantage of everything you can carry. So they had that vessel packed down as much as it could be packed down. As burdened as much as it could be burdened. And the Bible says, here is the prophecy, that whenever they got to Cyprus, they're still a good distance, if you will, from Tyre. But as they are getting nearer, can you imagine? They know Tyre is the place that they unload their burden. Twenty two hundred miles to Tarshish, twenty two hundred miles home. But they always has as a hope that Tyre is the place where we unload. Tyre is the place where we kind of lift our shoulders and we can take a breath again because we're not burdened down on the open sea with all of this stuff. But as they pass by Cyprus, as they're getting close to home, hallelujah, the Bible says that these ships of Tarshish begin to howl because word gets to them. It's revealed to them that Tyre is laying in waste. There's no house there. There's no entering in. In other words, the harbor cannot support any ships right now. There's no place to pull in and take up dock and unload the vessel and unload the burden. Amen. And so here they are. The calamity of Isaiah 23 is the ships of Tarshish approach a place that they normally unload, but it's not there to, to be there for them this time. They hear word of the calamity. They hear word there's no harbor. It lies as waste. And here are the sailors. They're agonizing. They're they're overwhelmed hallelujah how in the world can this be they're crying out because they are laden with a load they have a burden but they don't have a place or a harbor to relieve themselves of the burden God, they've traveled great distance. They've endured all this journey of the trip and whatever the sea has given to them. But they can't find a place to lay their burden. There's no place capable of it. I dare say this morning, people find many vices for being able to unburden their load. Many vices. Sister Craig, for being able to unladen their ship. But what happens whenever that vice is no longer effective? What happens whenever that vice no longer serves the purpose that it has served you along the way? And you're stuck with a burden. You have nowhere to deposit it. Virtually trapped at sea with a load needing to be unburdened. Can I say this morning that I think sometimes even in the church the people find themselves in positions and places that they feel they're trapped at sea burdened with a load trying to get to Pentecost but everything else that they have done before and everything else they tried before is not working this time it's not commodious it's not somewhere that they can go it's not somewhere they can unload and that's the reason why rather than leaning on a thing I I invite you today to lean on a person amen I'm not talking about your brother or sister in Christ I'm talking about your God I'm talking about your Savior. I'm talking to people here that may not be consistent perhaps in church life that your vice at times has has been alcohol and your vice has been drugs and and your vice has been cigars and your vice has been this or that. Amen. And that's been the place where you could unload and and the place where it could all just relax and go away. Uh, Maybe your vice was the bottle and that was the case. But whenever those things no longer, amen, work and you can't not take 
port there and you can't unload there let me tell you there's still a port that's intact there's still a port there's still a place where you can unload you got to go unto the Savior that's the reason why he told us in Matthew to come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest that was a cry if you will that meant that meant a lot of people's desperation of having nowhere else to go nowhere else to unburden nowhere else to reside and whenever they heard that that was hope that was crying out to, to them hallelujah that it doesn't have to be this way you got to have a place to unload because in another of Paul's and I got to hurry today in another of Paul's travels after he'd already went to Jerusalem had his Pentecost it didn't stop there he was going to go to Rome which was going to be a very long journey again by sea he had 276 passengers that was up on that boat. Acts 27 tells us. In verse 18, Acts 27, the Bible says, they met with a storm. They, they had come and they had met with a storm. The ship is laden down. And Acts 18 says, in the middle of the storm, although Paul said we should probably stay and not travel, they said we're going to go on and travel. The south wind blew softly, and they supposed that they had had the favor, and so they traveled, but they were met with a storm. The Bible says in verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with tempest, it says the next day they lightened the ship. It was such an act of desperation. They weren't at an arbor right now at that time. They weren't along a coastline or a shore or a port for unlading the ship. But because they had not met no place like that as of yet in their travel, they said, we got to lighten the load. Because whenever you're burdened down, let me tell you when it's absolutely critical. Not just when you're on the water and everything's are well. But whenever you're laden and loaded and burned down, when it's absolutely critical, is whenever another storm comes up on the sea that you're traveling. That it matters whether or not you are loading or unloading your vessel. And he says the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day, he says we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. We got to unladen the ship. Because, folks, you are more apt to take on water when you're burdened rather than when you're unburdened. Furthermore, the likelihood of sinking is more prominent than floating when you're burdened rather than being unburdened. So it's critical that you learn how to unload. The Bible says, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. I'll try to wrap it up within the next five to seven minutes. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, and the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. A lot of times we pluck verse number 8 out of the scripture. We read it. We concentrate upon it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he's, he's, he's walking about. He's seeking to devour. I think what's interesting is, is the instructions that the Lord gives prior to this. Be sober and be vigilant. First, we need to humble ourselves behind, underneath the mighty hand of God. Yes. But also don't forsake casting your care upon the Lord. Because God knows how the enemy will use your burden. The load, the frustrations of life that you may be carrying right now to help further his purpose of devouring you. And so he gives us the caution. You need to constantly have a place where you can unload because the enemy's going to be constantly having the crosshairs on you to try to devour you. And the burdens that you needlessly carry at times are just going to help further his purpose. If you don't take a time or a space to unload the ship. The Bible says, and I'll close with this if you'll stand with me. In Mark 6 and verse 30, the Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They'd been busy. They'd been doing things. Ministry had taken place. They had taught. Signs and miracles had been performed and happened. Verse 31, and he said unto them, so they told him all these things, how, how they'd been busy, how they just, time had been strained, pressured, whatever. He said unto them, he said, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. And he says, and rest a while. 
for there are many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. God's saying, man, you, you got a lot going on in life. Whether it be ministry or anything else, he's just saying to these, these guys, he said, man, you got, you got a lot going on. You've been busy. You've been contending with needs even of other people. You've been dealing with circumstances that were not even of your own making. Hear me today. And he says, you need to come apart. What are you saying, God? He's saying, you need to find a tire. You need to find a place where the ship can unlaid her load. He says, I know, it, I know you think you're Superman. He says, but let me tell you something. He said, there's going to consistently still be people that's going to come to you and go from you. He says, this cargo of piling up and all this, this, this systematic way of life, life's going to keep, that's going to keep on happening. It's still going to keep piling up. There's still going to be more cargo. And what he was trying to tell these boys, that's not going to alter, that's not going to quit. And the only way you're going to be able to keep your head above water, so to speak, is if you come apart to a desert place and you unload. I'm telling some people right here in the sound of my voice, I feel like God directed me with this today, this sermon this morning. That's God's calling some saints and people in this church this morning that constantly are the mule that carries the load. He's telling some of you folks today that you need to make the way to the altar for yourself this morning. And you need to pull into the port. And you need to unladen your burdens before the Lord. Because there's going to be other burdens that come. This process of life is still going to happen. But you need to find a port a safety that you can trust in. You need to ask God to lead you to a rock that's higher than your circumstances, higher than yourself. Can we bow our heads in this place? God, Lord, I come to you this morning. God, I pray, oh Lord, I felt pricked in my spirit. Lord, last night, early this morning, concerning these words, I pray, oh God, that they have not failed, Lord, by the wayside or stony ground or thorny ground, but God, upon good ground, I pray, oh Lord Jesus, today help us, God, to find the unloading zones. Father, in our life, God, it is needful and it is necessary. I must reach Jerusalem. I must have the time of renewal, Lord, at Pentecost. But Lord, I believe, God, the, 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 the success of my voyage and my journey of reaching there is largely contingent upon if somewhere along the way I find a port where I can unladen my burden and unladen my load. Folks, you don't have to somehow put up the facades. I know we do it best. We ask each other, how you doing? We're doing great. We're doing fine. Let me tell you, when evangelizing, and you're around conferences and people, and people ask how the church is doing, how you doing, you know, that's the facade you wear, or, or camp meetings are along your own people in the church. Yeah, it's great. It's fine. Everything's doing well. But really, really, you're starting to take on water. Really, the load is just so great and so cumbersome that, that you're saying, God, if the poor doesn't open up soon, God, I, I might be finding myself clashing against the rocks of a shore. I'm telling you this morning, God has a place here for you. God has a place for you, here for you. It's not his desire, amen, that you take on water. It's not his desire that you suffer shipwreck. It's his desire for you to cast your care upon him today. It's his desire that you would take your, his yoke upon you and learn of him because he is meek and lowly. Amen. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Amen. It's his desire today that you would just come to him, wrap your arms about him, say, God, here I am, Lord. This thing called life, it's constantly happening, and I'm constantly taking on more cargo. And Lord, I just need somewhere to unload today. God, this is a long journey and a long trip, and I've been met with much adversity and much trial. God, things that, Lord, that was not of my own making. And God, I just need somewhere to cast it today. I need somewhere to unload today. Today. I need somewhere just to place my burden today. God, I place it on you. God, I place it on 
from you. These altars are open. Come on, church family. Let's be praying this morning. Let's be praying this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to take financial woes and you need to just place them at the port, Lord. Hallelujah, where you can unburden your load. You need to take all the disasters of life, all the unanswered questions that are constantly coming, circumstances you don't even know how to contend with by no means. Don't even seem like I have the wisdom, Lord, to know what to do. You need to come to a port this morning and let the ship unladen its burden. Let the ship unladen its burden because in doing so, that's going to help you get to Pentecost. That's going to help you get to a place of spiritual renewal. That's going to help you get to a place. Stay there this morning. Don't just let it be five minutes and you unburden part of it. You need to let all the cargo out of the ship today. You need to leave it all on the altar today. Cast it all on the Lord today because there's going to be something else tomorrow and you need to have a clean slate, an empty ship. Come on, oh God, here I am. I'm burdened, God. I'm burdened, God. I'm burdened. Here's my load today, God. Here's my load today. Oh, I need a port, God, to pull into. I need a harbor, God. Lord, there's been other things, other vices, Lord, that I've tried to use. Lord, they've only been temporary. They've only been temporary, God. They've not unloaded. They've not unloaded everything I needed to be unloaded in my life. But God, I'm seeking out that rock that's higher than I. I'm seeking out that place, Lord. God, that you've established, God. Oh, I cast it there. Lord, here's my job. God, here's my family. God, here's my addictions. God, here's my mental stress. Here's my turmoil of mind. Here's my heart that's overwhelmed. Here's all of the circumstances that's closing in on me like I'm a prey. Here it all is. Here it all is. Here it all is. Here's my doubts. Here's my unbelief. Here's God my lack. Lord of strength to see any hope in all of this hopelessness. Here it is God. Listen to me today. I feel in the spirit this morning that there could be even people here this morning that they've dropped cargo off along the way, but there's certain carts and crates in their life that they've never unloaded. They've always kept them on the ship, but God is here today telling you that you can take your greatest hurts and your greatest pains and times of your life that you may have even been taken advantage of, and you can unload that cart today. You can unload that crate today. You need to come to the harbor where you can unload that burden today. Oh, God's providing a port here. God's providing an arbor here today. Let that ship unladen its burden. Let that ship unladen its burden. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.